Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the Ashlanites Internet Radio Broadcast. I am your host, Derek Thompson, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We have a very interesting show. I am joined by our our engineer and extraordinary comp, uh, contributor, Charles, and also our premier, number one, hugest participator, <laughs> Sammy J, joining us from England. And well, I want to thank welcome, you. Welcome you both here. So before we get started, I want to make a, a, a comment. Um, it's in poor taste, and uh, I'm going to own it because it's really, really bad, but... To the, the the folks at the Westboro Baptist Church, uh, who have pleaded for people to not protest the passing of their ministers, their their church founders' uh, 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 death, um, their funeral rather. Uh, fuck you, for all you assholes who have protested military fallen soldiers funerals, when you were asked to not do it, when you were pleaded with to stay away from them, you arrived by the busload with the most horrid and despicable slogans, chanting and yelling the filthiest and foulest things to family and friends, mourning their, their, their family members passing at their funeral, you can go fuck yourself. I, w I hope that every same-sex couple in the area has sex on your grave, on his grave, after the funeral is done. Because I think it is despicable that you people would ask, ask the public to not protest, to not do the very thing that you have done to other people, to not cause you pain and anguish, the same pain and anguish that you caused others with your protesting, I think that's pretty, pretty despicable. So, um, whatever happens, happens. That's all I have to say about that. I, I got to get in on that. I got I to go get in on that. You know, someone asked me my thoughts on this. And I, you say, what, that he's dead? Uh, my, my thoughts that he's dead? Woohoo! Um, but about the protesting. And I said, well, I'm not going to. And they said, well, why not? Why wouldn't you? If you live nearby, and I don't live nearby, so... Um, I'm not, because I'm not taking, you know, a $300, $400, $500 plane trip to, you know, go dance on this man's grave. Um, why, would, why wouldn't I? Because I'm better than him. Uh, I'm a lot better than him. But on the other side of that, I don't see it as a bad thing if people do protest. I would, I, I would give them my full support in protesting, but I also, anyone who doesn't think they should protest... If it's against your religious views, um, and I'm going to aim this at the Christians out there that are listening, uh, if you're there going, well, Jesus said turn the other cheek, and you really feel in your heart of hearts that's the right thing to do, oh, you have my support there. And if you're there going, uh, well, he said I come not with a uh, uh, not to bring peace, but with the to bring the kingdom of the sword. I believe that was uh, I believe I butchered that quote properly. Um, and you want to go there and protest because that's the way you're bringing the kingdom of the sword. Well, you have my full support on that also. You know, would I do it? If if it was next door to my house, like, you know, literally I could throw a stone at it, I I would peer out to see what it looked like. And, um, you know, I don't think I would do much more. And the reason I wouldn't is because it would be encouraging them. I think 
I think the greatest message they could have would be if no one showed up. Not to protest, but I mean at all. If just no one really showed up. Or even better yet, if all of those people out there that are good, true Christians, um, especially the gay and lesbian Christians, you know, those of a, of a homosexual persuasion, um, if they were to show up and mourn with that church, I think that would be the greatest insult you could pay because you're not mourning what this man's life was, you're mourning that someone died. You're mourning the passing of a life that could have done so much more had it been aimed in a better direction. I think that would be a greater insult. I think it would be a greater insult was if a, a hundred thousand, a million, a million gay couples came in to mourn his passing because you've lost your greatest enemy and adversary and in that you recognize that he had the potential, as any human being does, to be a great man, if only he could have got over his own failings. But Charles, if I may intervene... Go if, for it, go for it. If all those people who had lost their loved ones in the fight so that people can live free were to turn up and mourn as equals that a passing has gone, and all these same-sex couples, lesbians and gays, all turned up to mourn a person who has passed away and has left their loved ones behind, would it not show that they are actually of a greater standard of their own humanity rather than sinking to the level of all the people who had turned up and protested when people had been buried, when people had been married? Would it not show compassion? Because to me, this person was obviously a little bit crackers, but he should be pitied for that. And he was somebody's father, and he was somebody's husband, and he was he was somebody who was obviously loved greatly. And to show compassion for somebody who has who has been taken from them, would it not show that all these other people that were protested against are actually have more high moral standard than they did? That's exactly that's exactly what I was saying, and I said that would be the greatest that would be the greatest stab, but also the greatest blessing that you could give that church because they would have to then look at this, and they would have to rethink their position, and they would have to rethink whether or not they were following their Christ and His view, um, and that would definitely give them some kind of pause to really rethink the way they're running things, because this man is gone, but his legacy is going to live on, and his legacy is of hatred, and I'll tell you this, no matter how hard you try, you will never defeat hatred with hatred. You only create more hatred. You can, you can only defeat hatred with love and compassion, but it has to be measured. And at the end of the day, was this man really a Christian? Because you know what they say, the best thing the devil ever did was making people think he didn't exist. Is this man not some sort of demonic entity in the guise of trying to be a holy man? Well, I think, let me put it, I think let me at the put, end of the day... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Charles. I think at the end of the day, this man was a man. I think he was a man who lived in a world that messes people up, who went through religious services and never got the guidance and kindness and love needed to understand the grace of God or the compassion of Christ and in this where I've seen men who have went through these things become pagans or become witches or become any number of other 
religious philosophies, Druids, just to get away from Christianity and gain a hatred for what they learned. Instead, he learned to embrace the hatred that he was taught and that was passed down to him. And the result is that he became a twisted man, a man broken by his own faith, so that he could never truly understand what it was he was worshiping. Well, that's my well. Well, let me let me just say this: psychology and existentialism, withstanding, if he if this funeral were taking place outside my 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 home and I could open the window and actually see people walking out, would I would I join it? Probably not. But I would definitely serve cocktails. I would definitely let my restroom be used for those protesting because me personally. Fuck him. What he did... No, no, don't get me wrong. I'd let them use my restroom, too. I just wouldn't serve cocktails. I'm not real big on having a bunch of drunken people using my restroom. <laughs> you know what? I would, I, I would, I would probably take it. I, 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 I'm not, but for that occasion, that moment in history, yeah, I, I'd probably... I'd probably... I'd rent a porta potty or something and let people just, you know, do what they got to do. Because that, that is... Um, I read that and I, I thought, get the... But you know what? That aside, you know, that's how I feel. But also, the the other small sliver of compassion that I do have, Charles and Sammy, you both sort of encapsulated that. You know, it would be profound if no one sh showed up to protest and they let these they sent a message and let these people have their time. Or if people did show up, which I think is going to happen, people did show up and had messages of compassion. I think I had read that somewhere. There were some, there were some banners that uh, people were showing, some banners of peace be with you and we're sorry for your loss and all this kind of stuff. I think, um, I think that would – but in the end, is that going to change anything? No. No, it's not. I guarantee you after this – I don't know if this guy's been buried or not already, but if he hasn't been buried and he's, he's about to be and the, the funeral's about to happen, I guarantee you – if no one shows up or if people do show up with compassion, with, with, with respect and, and genuine um, uh, uh, concern and, and, and a message of love and support, they will be back at it again the following week. I guarantee you that. And you know what? That's neither here nor there. You know what? The public showed them. They sent a message that showed them, look, we're, we don't have to go down to your level, you know, Oh, whether they show up or not, we, we don't have to. We don't. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. Like Charles said, we're not gonna fight fire with fire. We're not gonna. We're not gonna use hate to to battle hate. You know, if this is the way you people are, this is the way you people are. But like you said, his legacy. Listen, religion is a is a fascinating thing because unlike unlike uh, other ideas of politics or uh, other ideas of a civic nature of a of a of a psychological nature or or spiritually, religion is the only one of the only meaty sort of notions that affect the brain, that affect actions the way it does. It is, it is, it's, it's a physical hat that people can put on, and it literally changes dispositions. Absolutely, and even when the truth or the light is presented, people refuse. It not only changes it, it, it. It almost like seeps into the mind and twists things and moves things and it just it it just ferments the brain in such depending on the religion that is ferments the brain in such negative stew in such 
narrow-minded broth that it is so difficult for the brain to just climb out of it and, and, and escape it. And something about it, it's just, you know, the, like this man had fathers, man has followers. And someone will pick up the choice, someone younger, someone more hateful, more, more venomous, more, more destructive, and more someone of today's mind who has a different insight and a more agile sort of approach on how to make people's lives miserable. He'll take the pulpit. That person will take the pulpit. And it, it, they'll be worse. They'll be, they'll be despicable. And that's how I see it. It's a pretty glib way of looking at it. I don't see a lot of change. I don't, I don't see the, the passing of this leader to be, uh, I'll be surprised if somebody steps up and says, look, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're not gonna change our, our, our point of view, but we're gonna lessen it. We're gonna, we're not gonna protest as much. We're not gonna, we're not gonna be as douchey as, um, as we, as we, as we have been. I would be shocked. I would eat my words. I, I literally would. I don't think that's going to happen. You know what worries me? Just to throw this in. I know this isn't the primary topic, but it is one worth hitting on. Um, what worries me is not... It, it, I, like you just said, I don't believe they're going to they're gonna reverse. Even, even if every single gay and lesbian couple on the planet showed up and mourned for this man, I don't believe that that Care Bear stare would be enough to change things. But... <laughs> But what worries me is that this man's death may become a martyrdom. Ah, yeah. And if it becomes a martyrdom, then what we've seen from them before will have been less than what we will see next. Yep. And yep. I promise you, if it comes to that, that it will become a little holy war between the protesters and the non-protesters, the protesters and the, the grievers when this next happens. Because whatever this man was, he was very good at staying within the confines of law so that mob violence didn't occur because he he understood as a lawyer because my understanding was he had some uh, legal training that you know you can only go so far before it's your fault that it's mob violence and they will arrest you and put you in jail for this so he kept his flock in check within the bounds of law no one ever threw objects at the protests. Uh, there were no rotten fruit thrown. There was, uh, there were no shootings or beatings or anything like that. It was always within the bounds of the law. What worries me if, is if this becomes a martyrdom, that his death becomes a rallying cry, and they, they say, well, not we're going to relent a bit, but instead we're going to do it ten times more, you know, violently because that's what he would have wanted. That worries me because while the group isn't large enough to be a problem, the group on group violence that could occur would be tragic. I would rather that this man be buried because he died of natural causes and no one else have to be buried alongside of him because they had to take up his name for a silly reason. So that's my worry. If, if, if ever I have a worry is that whoever takes his place is not going to get up there and just keep doing things the way they are because we can deal with that or not even relent. You know, I, that would be great. That wouldn't even be a worry. That, not even a hope. But my fear is that they're going to get up there and in their state of grief, they're going to act and think irrationally, which they already do, but they're going to push it to the next level. And what we'll see is that we're going to go from these guys are standing outside picketing with signs to these guys are standing outside beating people with sticks. And if that happens, it's going to be really bad because it's going to, it's going to hit at the core 
of what this nation is founded on, on what it means to be religiously tolerant. And what everyone likes to forget is every single religion that exists at some point fought and killed to exist. And you can only be so tolerant when someone is fighting and killing you. So, but that was. I mean, it might have the reverse effect, if I may um, interrupt. You know, like when you take down a school bully, all the rest disperse. Well, if you think about it, this man was a bully. The way he was horrible towards other people, the way he undermined and belittled other people. And you know what? The school bully is now being taken down, or the school bully is gone, so the others might just disperse. It might have the reverse effect, because they said, please don't protest at his funeral. If they were so united, if they were so determined, they would not give a rat's ass who was there to protest, because they would believe that they were right and they were doing the right thing. So it might be that, you know, you've got rid of the school bully, so everybody else might just go home. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see. Well, since we're talking about war, uh, let's quickly talk, let's quickly hit on um, Russia. Looks like Russia is uh, heralding the potential Cold War point two with their uh, their annexing of Crimea, which is really not even a country, but um, they tried this shit a couple years ago with Georgia, and it didn't work. Georgia, they were trying to get the pipeline, and they, uh, I think this was uh, maybe the beginning of Obama's administration. I should have looked this one up, but yeah, they tried to uh, they tried to grab they tried to grab Georgia, and it failed miserably. But it was all over the news, um, and we were ready to go over there and do what I don't know, but that's the point. Um, I think the United States is uh, is is in in serious peril here with their reputation for um, justice, and I say justice with quotations and use it very loosely. Um, there's a problem here, you know. We we when Syria, you know, Egypt flared up. That was the best case scenario because, in terms of internal revolution, it was quicker the events you know it took the world by surprise because you know Egypt had been these things did not really these things didn't happen in that region of the world okay and when Egypt when Egypt opened up in revolution it it I think it stunned the world and when the when the shock wore off events were very fluid and the Military, which is you know Egypt was a mil- was 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 a uh, was run by the military was a um, dictatorship, and the military um, was a very was was when it Musharraf was uh, basically a, a high general before he was ousted, but he ran not Musharraf he was Pakistan um, who was the guy over in Egypt uh, anyway, but it was run by the military and. Uh, the world waited to see what the military were going to, were they going to fire on their own people? Were they going to support their people? What? So it was probably the best case scenario um, as far as turnouts could happen in the time that it took for the revolution to rise and quell itself. So the United States had some words, had some, had some, uh, obviously we had some opinions, we had some words about it, we had uh, a position that we, 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 
you know, it was both a public position and an and a internal position, and uh, I don't quite remember what the stance was other than the given, the public stance was that we supported the people and that um, the military should stay out of it and let democracy take its take its uh, take its toll. Um, so and that that did happen, but what wound up happening, Yemen and Iran and a great many other countries, um, uh, Libya, um, I know I'm forgetting a whole Syria, I, I'm, I'm forgetting a whole bunch of other countries, because it was, it was a year of, of revolution. Revolution was in the air. And things over here about that time, I want to say, weren't too rosy either. People weren't too happy about uh, a lot of the initiatives that the new, the new administration came in with, and it was just, uh, it was revolution fever. But when Syria blew up, when Syria hit hit the stove, that was a problem because it's still going on right now. It's 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 a civil war right now, and when that kicked off, it was pretty public as to what was going on and why things were going on over there. And our position was, you know, it it was a little bit more than quote it's an internal conflict. We were concerned, we had opinions, we had positions, and we knew we knew that um, they were killing their people. We knew that they were launching airstrikes against civilian targets. We knew that there was a lot of war crimes taking place. We knew this. It's a lot like Africa. We know this shit's going on. We do very little to to get involved. We have positions and opinions of the highest order and the highest ideal, we have sanctions ready to be posed, but yet we do nothing. We do nothing because our public, we don't want our boots, our children, our, 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 our fathers and our brothers and our children, our, our sisters and our mothers, we don't want them in harm's way. Yet, you join the military for specific reasons, to defend the United States, the homeland, and our way of life. That is a democratic way of life. All right? Our job is to first protect the homeland, but also unofficially render aid and, and assistance when and where we can. And yeah, the, the country has had a fun time abusing that, that unofficial sort of um, mandate over the last 50 to 100 years. We've used it to get into countries and do all kinds of weird stuff and plant assets and gather uh, resources in, in a very um, clandestine sort of way. And yeah, I'm sure we've obviously we've gotten into other countries' internal politics and made a mess of things. You know what the what the media gets a hold of and reports is a fraction of the truth of what really has taken place. So yeah, I'm not I'm not naive. Of course, yeah, this is this is. You know, rendering aid and support is a is an asset that uh, a force or or power base can use to get into uh, a territory or an enemy power base to to kind of see what's going on, to see what's happening, to see what they can um, see. So I understand that, but when we have legitimate atrocities being carried out in areas of the world that really aren't power based esque all right Africa is not a power base all right there's no there's you know they've got great they've got diamonds they've got uh, other natural resources oil um, 
you know, lots of lots of lots of other things over there, but there nothing in export that would put them. Um, let's say, you know, they're not sitting in the they're not sitting uh, at the at the at the at the head of or, or at the table of um, superpowers here, national superpowers. So why wouldn't we go over there to Rwanda? Uh, why wouldn't we go over there to Uganda? Why wouldn't we go over there to Somalia? Yeah, when we went over to Somalia. It was a mess. I get that. But there's a whole host of reasons why that went to shit. But we, we act late. That's the problem. We act late. And this is what we're talking about here in Revolution Fever here. We act late. We, this is the Syrian thing blew, and we waited and we watched to see if, if the rebels would gain ground and be in a position to, to subdue the government. And they, no, it never happened. And not only did it not happen, the government, was relentless. They used chemical weapons. Now, don't give me that shit about it's unconfirmed. It is confirmed. They used chemical weapons on their own people, and our president said, if the use of chemical weapons is proven, it's a game changer. What does that mean? What did that mean? What did Obama mean when he said that was a game changer? I took that as, all right, we're not going to be talking about sanctions, and we're not going to be talking about, we're not going to be talking about, we're not going to have rhetoric here. We're actually going to put carriers out there, we're going to put boots on the ground and assist, if not at the very least, drop weapons and, 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 and assets over there to help them. And we didn't do that until much, much later. Much later. So, all these hot spots, what happened in Lebanon, all right, um, what happened in, you know, Benghazi. Benghazi is a mess. It is a mess, and I'm convinced that there is more to that story um, than what they're letting out. I mean, all these these things, the French taking the lead, all these things, all these things that have, that, have, that have come about, and all these countries that have been in the mix, other than the United States, that have been taking the forefront, have been on the forefront of of taking a stand of what is right and what is wrong. It's concerning because Putin who has not been a fan of the U.S. since maybe the last two years of Bush's administration, found it, found providence in moving his special forces into Crimea and taking a country. He took a country. Now, he didn't pull this shit with Georgia because I don't think he, I, I don't think he had the support for it and it was too national. It was too much... There was too much going on at that time for him to pull it. But right here, right now, he and also I don't think he knew. I don't think he knew what the response would be. But he watched in the last five years, last five to eight years, he watched the responses of the U.S. and the uh, uh, UN to revolution fever in the Middle East. He watched it, and he said, "You know what?" I've calculated that I can pull this off and get away with it, and he did. He did. And they're not taking that country back, and I think the next country that's going to be taken, you know, is it's going to continue. And then what does that leave us? Just, uh, I want to say a month ago, I think I read a report that the United States was scaling back military forces to pre-World War II levels. All right? I, I, I meet soldiers every single day active duty soldiers who have to leave the military because there's no there's no place for them anymore. Combat soldiers are coming back from rotation and they can't find jobs. They're they're living on the street. 
I'm meeting soldiers, soldiers who were. Who is in back the truth? Hello. Yes, boy, isn't that the truth? Let me tell you, I'm going back, man. Oh, Allie, back. I didn't realize you were here. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Take the floor. I, I told her, run him over. Yeah, run him over. Jump in. Go ahead. Yeah. No, it is hard to get jobs out here, and I'm trying to go back in, to co into the Coast Guard. You know, i got to memorize 11 general orders to get back in. Yeah, I think we did. You see, well, you see that Allie oh, actually I... didn't connect. Oh, there she is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what? Huh? What? We, we lost you for a no. second. You, we lost uh -huh. you for a second. I said you didn't actually connect in with your phone. It was your outrage at the work situation. You were projecting your voice through the ether. <laughs> you know what, as a Brit, can I ask an ex-military and two civilians from the United States of America, what is it that the Yanks have to get in and everything? You've got I enough know. fucking shit going on in your own country. Sort right. that fucker out first before getting involved with anybody else. Well, you know what, you know what, Sammy, and, and, and I'm not towing the, the quote-unquote party line here, okay, and I use that term loosely, <laughs> all right, but, you know, one, if I looked at this situation through rose-colored glasses and I would say, well, here's the thing, the United States or the UN, and or the UN, they represent civilization. Let, let me just finish this before you guys jump on me. Right? They represent civilization, forward thinking, innovation, and progression. Okay? And the world is moving. The, if you look at it like an arrow, the United Na America, the United Na America, Britain, the United Nations are the tip of that arrow. And you know, second tier, third tier, fourth tier, well, how, you know, all the way down, tier countries represent each segment of the arrow all the way down to the end of it. And if the arrow is moving forward, okay, the whole idea is, 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 full, is, is forward momentum. And we know that some countries will never reach the tip of the arrow, all right, or may not reach the tip of the arrow unless some catastrophe befalls you know, unless the arrow breaks or something or whatever. But the idea is to maintain that forward movement. And with and, and the United States and the UN, the whole idea of having interest in various parts of the world is to have a foothold in these countries to help move to help this progression, this progression of advancement and betterment, this forward momentum to continue on. Okay? And that's why we, when we say our interests, our allies and our friends, that's what I, I, I translate that to mean. I translate that to mean, yeah, we have bases over here and we have assets placed over here, military and clandestine, but we also have democratic and civil-based civil uh, interests and assets in various countries because we want to see them succeed. For example, um, you know, Taiwan. You know, Taiwan is a huge producer of goods, in the world, you know, they're, they're sort of a strategic location as well because, they, you know, of their location and their political alignment with China and all this stuff. But they're also an invaluable uh, asset, excuse me, corporate uh, uh, asset with goods in the world. So 
you know, yeah, we want to have a foothold in there. We want to have some interest over there. Same with Mexico. Same with Canada. You know, the same with all these different countries. Africa, um, you know, even the, the most the, the most least well-known country has some some benefit or gain as far as uh, you know. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I that's how I interpret that. So it's it's understandable that when something happens in some of these countries or or their regions, we take an interest in that because if the forward momentum is disrupted, that means the money is disrupted. That means services and goods are disrupted. That means our economy is interrupted. And that means people's pocketbooks and people's ability to charge things and, uh, you know, live off credit. There's a problem with that. Interest rates start to rise. Stocks start to fall. Bond rates start to rise. It's all this. So big... it's nothing to do with freeing an oppressed people, then, is it? Oh, no, it has nothing to do with that. But then it does have something to do with that. Because look at but, uh, you want let to me, get let me... involved because you want to rule the world. Fullstop.com. Every one of your leaders I'm thinks not we need to go in there and we need to free these people. But really, okay, the economy's going to suffer. Sammy, I'm not arguing with you, but freeing people costs money. Freeing people is not beneficial to the pocketbook. You, you must understand this. You only to a country when it monetarily benefits the United States. There's someone else going on with your president. That's why he's going in. Otherwise, you'd be looking after your own before poking your nose where it's not wanted. I agree. But you let know, me give. I, I, I got to agree with her, and I'm just going to add this, and it may sound a little humorous. I'm all for intervention in the right time frame, as Master Thompson has just said. That we, we come to these things a bit too late. We come to these things after after it's already impacted our wallet is what it is you know we yeah. we wake up and there's there's a five spot missing and we're like someone stole my five dollars i'm going to go over there and free the people and then you know get five dollars off of them get ten dollars the off of them yeah get ten dollars yeah. off of them to make up the difference my problem with that is that I, I i come from a very norse philosophy and i say if you're going to invade a country to help it then invade it damn it this is my yeah. thing if we're going to go over and we're uh what I am terrible with names today, and I did not get a lot of sleep. The name of the country that we are helping is... I don't know what... what uh... Ukraine? Is it Ukraine, no, the, 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 the mini... No, no, the mini... The mini, the, the smaller country that they're annexing that we're going Crim to be dealing with. Crim oh, I haven't watched the news lately. Uh, Crimea. 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 Yeah. Okay. We're going to go over to Crimea and free their people. No. No. If we're going to do this, if we are going to do this, we should do it right. We should go over and invade Crimea, Crimea make it the the the, the next, um, what's the term, territory under the control of the United States, because we have several territories that are not states, but are under United States jurisdiction, have all of our laws, all of our rights, except for the voting rights. Invade it, take it over, uh, we claim this land in the name of the United States of America, plant our flag and leave. Well, not leave, but you know, uh, uh, to stop whatever warfare, unless we want to invade all of Russia. Which, if we want to invade Russia, I'm good for that, too. My thing is, I prefer an honest war over a dishonest military action. And with everything I've just said, I'm also going to say that I'm completely entirely wrong. And what I mean by that is I've talked with enough people in various special forces fields to tell you that everything we do 
is just one little bit of everything else that's being done. And whatever we're doing over there, there are so many factors involved that this isn't even just about money. It's not just yeah. about the life and welfare of the people over there. It's not just about resource flow. It's not even just about our own freedoms. That every decision is based on, you know, hundreds of impacts it's going to make. With that said, I think Sammy has every right to be outraged on of this course, because of this is the this is the thousandth time. And the thing is, the problem is not that we do it; it's that we we smile while we're doing it and we tell everyone how thankful they should be that we're I shooting at them. Everybody doing it. Yeah, well, here's the thing. If you're good, if we're going to do it, we we do it, okay? If we want to go break someone's nose and take their candy bar, I'm good for that, okay? Nations do it all the time, but we don't do it with any level of honesty. We we break their nose, we take their candy bar, and we say, you should be thankful that I broke your nose and took your candy bar. Everyone should be thankful that I broke this person's nose and took their candy bar. Everyone, aren't I a great guy for breaking noses and taking candy bars? Because, you know, if anyone disagrees with me, your candy bar may be next. Well, here's the thing, and Sammy, I'm not arguing. Sammy, I'm not arguing with you. I agree with you. I am on your page. But let me just kind of let me just. I use this example in another show a long time ago. Here's the here here is here is the problem. I don't even. It's not even a problem. Here is the excuse. Here is the excuse. As we talk, as we have, the the world has moved into a more corporate and litigious um, treaty based association okay the world that's the world okay because it's all about money it's all about money and natural resources and the distribution of that money and, and those natural resources these corporations and I it's not just the countries it's more the corporations the corporations run and I know this is going to sound real you know uh, 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 Illuminati sort of, and I don't mean it to be, I'm meaning this, I I say this as a matter of fact. The corporations have a big say. Just, they have, corporations have a country-based say on what goes on in this world, and I'll tell you why that is. If you, let's take the the very basic example of uh, a a middle, a a couple trying to buy a home. Okay, let's, Charles, I'm going to use you as an example, all right? Charles and his wife are trying to buy a home. Charles makes, um, before taxes, he makes $60,000 a year. His wife makes $40,000 a year. That's a okay? lot of candy bars I took. A lot of candy okay, bars. Keep going. <laughs> so, so, you know, when you do all the math, you can only use a portion of the combined income, and that combined income based on ratios and, 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 and whatever, you can use X amount of dollars. Now, let's say Charles and his wife are buying a $200,000 home. They're putting a traditional 5% down, and their closing costs, and this is where the example gets really, really, um, they're worried about their closing costs, and they're worried about their down payment because they're on a very tight budget. Now, part of your closing costs are your interest rates, okay, for your home. So finding the right bank and finding the right interest rate to make it conducive to your budget is paramount because this is the payment you're going to be paying for a fixed amount of time, and it needs to represent, in the best case scenario, all as long as it possibly can without changing or, or raising, you know, unexpectedly rising, or it needs to be fixed, okay? So how do you do that? What effect does that, what effect does world 
issues have on this interest rate. Everything. Everything. If Russia moves against, we'll see the bigger country there. Um, well, I'll just use Crimea. Crimea. Russia moved against Crimea. The stocks dropped because it's uncertainty. Stock stock markets or markets indices in the world that are that move on a daily average, they're used to continuity and stability. The stocks represent the pulse of the corporations, and the corporations have a direct are directly influenced by the shopping and consumer-based habits of the people. It's all connected. It's all connected. And it's real-time. It's, it's real-time connection. So when there is unexpected turmoil in the world, the stock markets react. Now, how does that reaction affect everything else? Well, major, major brokers and in, in, in institutions that base their capital the base capital in these markets that you know where your your um, where your uh, uh, retirement funds are are invested, where your you know your uh, uh, you know all these different uh, pension funds, all these different things where people rely on their their fixed income for retirement down the road or currently, all these make up the bulk of these markets, and then everybody else, all the individual people and all the other you know in, in brokers and investors. Okay, so they they base their their, their investment on the stability and continuity of the status quo. All right? Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. When the status quo starts to hiccup, people get scared and they, they withdraw their money from the markets and they put it in something safe. When the markets drop, when the markets drop, it affects everything. People start to tighten up their wallets. Corporations start to change their practices. Their, the interest rates start to rise. And for Charles and his wife trying to buy the house, they're going through the process. They haven't locked in an interest rate. Russia invades Crimea, and they're talking about uh, invading other countries. The interest rates are going to shoot up because it's uncertain. That means that Charles is not going to buy the house. That means the bank's not going to make money and secure a loan and make money. That means the seller who was hoping to get out of his house and buy an upgrade and get into it, they can't do that. Now they're carrying, and, and depending on where they are with their buying, their, 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 the process in which they're buying, they might have to carry two mortgages now. It, that's, just the, that's just the ground floor. When you look at the corporate, on the corporate level, when you look at the corporate level, it's the same thing. Corporations buy and borrow from each other in, in, in global banks every day based on the stability and continuity of the interest rates that are out there. These interest rates are affected by the turmoil in the world. And that's why when the United States says, our friends and allies, we have a vested interest in making sure things are okay, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about going over to foreign lands, putting boots on the ground to stabilize markets. Not to stop freaking Coney over there in, in Uganda or wherever the frig he is from massacring people. That's a that's an added bonus that we're going to tout and say yes, we went over there to stop this this um, this, this, this 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 person from murdering and raping. But basically, what they're doing is they're stabilizing markets. There's so a there's a simpler there's a simpler example that you 
you might want to take on for this, and that's the price of bread. Um, anytime any kind of war happens, anytime any kind of fight, there's going to be an increase in demand for the supply of grain. Because grain's easily transported, you make a lot of things out of it. It's the staple food of the world at the end of the day. Factor this in, we don't want $5 loaf of bread. We don't. We don't want that to be the new standard in the U.S., trust me, because everything else will follow. The price of bread's actually uh, maybe the universal price mark, and this may be a little bit easier for the general, ma the general masses to understand here, because your explanation was great, but, you know, people are only buying a house once, maybe twice in their life. You know, you're buying a loaf of bread every week, probably two or three times a week, depending on the size of your family. And it's going to hit you really hard when you start paying $10 a loaf of bread and $12 a loaf of bread. And that's going to happen if you have major, large-scale military actions between countries that are armed well enough and willing enough to tear into each other over a long period of time. Let's, let's say Russia decides they're going to invade uh, Crimea, or Crimea. I'm terrible at pronouncing that. And Crimea. Crimea, thank you. Uh, let's say they decide they're going to invade and a prolonged fight takes place. Well, Russia now has to do something about feeding its troops, and Crimea has to also. So they start stockpiling grain. Price of bread on week one will go up to about $2, which is, for your low-cost bread, about a 100% increase, give or take, depending on where you live. Um, on week three, week four of this conflict, it's going to be at the $5 mark, and it's going to stabilize there, until all of the grain supplies are, are purchased out and we start having a grain shortage, in which case you may forget about buying bread. It may be cheaper to drink gasoline. And that's a scary thought. And that's, I mean, I, I could hit on the price of gas and everything else, but what it boils down to is warfare takes all of the same resources that day-to-day -day living does. Yeah. It just takes it on a much larger scale. And the result is that almost all warfare is based on those resources. If we are comfortable with the idea of $10 loaves of bread, we can be comfortable with not settling these conflicts quicker. We can be comfortable with allowing this to go through its natural progression. But we have invested ourselves, and Sammy, this goes for the UK, this goes for the US, this goes for the world. We have invested ourselves in what is called a world economy. And it was the dumbest thing any nation ever did. Because the result is we no longer, any of us, can live at our own means. It may have allowed us a technological revolution, and it did. It may have allowed us an industrial revolution, and it did. But the result is we're now paying for that because we can no longer just concern ourselves with what our neighbor's doing because effectively our neighbor's buying up all the bread in the grocery store. This, this is where the big problem comes in. It becomes not just unfeasible to buy a home, it becomes unfeasible to survive for but, everyone. But, but what's interesting about your example, and it's an excellent example, a very smaller and micro example that definitely hits home, here's the thing. Now, when I gave the example about the turmoil and uncertainty and the markets reacting to it, that's just based on the shock of the initial announcement that this shit is going down. Once you're in play, once the war has started, it's official, and we're engaged, then the markets reverse. Then you start to see prices on goods and services either stabilize or reduce. And the reason why that is, this is why they say a war is good when you, 
When a country is having difficult economic times, and this is why I think Russia is doing what they're doing, their economy over there is not doing well at all. All right? And if you go back through your history, you know that when you, or in, in, in when you look at your you know, economics, when you can't influence markets the way the United States can, when the, way, you know, the way we influence our markets to account for depressions and recessions and um, inflation and deflation and all these, different, all these different things is really a marvel because we have the, the resources and the services to, to do that. Most countries can't do that. Okay, so historically, what you did to stabilize your economy is you went to war. You went and grabbed someone else's fertile land, someone else's milk, and someone else's bread, okay, because you don't have it in your country, or you're running out of it in your country. You need someone else's tax dollars. You need more tax dollars. You need more, you need more estate. You need more land. You need more resources. And that was the principal reason why, uh, and it's not, it wasn't just safety and security, but it was also resources. So I think what, you, what, what Russia, what's going on with Russia right now is, first of all, the, the democracy is not going well with them. It's been uh, 20, 30 years, I, I think, and it's, it, it's not going well. The reason for that is, without, and I'm trying to be very careful how I put this, the Russian people have endured a way of life since the founding of, of Russia, okay? They're used to a certain, I believe that they're used to a certain paradigm. It's become internalized. It's inherent within their, their disposition. And I think this new democracy is in complete conflict with that. I don't think they know how to use it to the fullest they can. The country is overrun by gangsters, prostitutions, uh, uh, you know, it's it's bad over there. So democracy as a as a, as a as a um, you know as a I don't know democracy I think is hanging on by its, its its fingernails over there. And I think what's happening is they're feeling it in the economy. And I I know this to be true because if you look at the way the markets are going have, have been they're not in their favor at all. You know people are getting rich. The the the, the haves and the haves not the dis, the disparity between the two is is insane over there insane so i think they're doing this partly to to get their economy going again get their their esprit de corps up to get people you know the 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 idea of the old soviet union the hammer and sickle coming back in full strength you know what i mean piece by piece will get people will 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 get people will rally people and people will want to invest in their markets again. People will want to be a part, you know, of, of the new system that's that hopefully and that's what I think is happening. But war genuinely makes a is a band aid for hurt economies. And that happens when you are committed and fully engaged in a war. And you start to see this in our markets because Corporations that drive the war market, the the, the old, um, uh, uh, what do you, how do you say these, um, these, uh, the Illuminati, what, what, what do you call that? Conspiracy. The old conspiracy uh, theories, which, which one of them is the the industrial war complex, which is all your your military contractors and certain branches of the military and certain insiders of the administration and certain senators and your lobbyists and all this stuff. They push for, like, we saw an example of this in Vietnam. 
they pushed for that war because people were going to make money and the economy was going to become more affluent because of it. And that is the adverse, the unwanted adverse effect of war. And that is why when we going back full, coming back full circle, I believe that when the United States says our friends and allies, I get nervous about that. I think what resources and assets do we have in friggin', you know, whatever country that's going to warrant warships off their coast? And are we helping people or are we helping some factory over there or some corporate, some line of corporations over there maintain the status quo so we can continue to pay? You know, three fifty for a gallon of gas, and I don't know what the bread is nowadays. Ninety nine cents for a loaf of bread, and three dollars and forty nine cents for a gallon of milk. This is what war. This is what we 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 reduced our war powers to maintaining market status and quote. And that's why, Sammy, you're so upset, and I'm so upset because when somebody breaks out in Africa and starts acting up and chopping lopping off arms and legs and raping and pillaging and burning we're not sending warships over to the coast to stop that shit because we have no insight we have no assets or resources over there we're not exporting ivory like we used to we're not hunting down elephants and we're not poaching for you know these we're not we're not doing all these things anymore so there's no interest we can't excavate for diamonds because of the whole blood diamond uh, ordeal, which is a great law, but nobody, you know, we can't, so what, what are we going to go, why are we going to go over there and stop this shit? We're not. It's going to be the UN's problem. That's the, that's a problem for the UN, and, and we're a member of the UN. We'll send our token, you know, trucks and APCs and boots and this, that, and the other thing, but we're not going to, we're not going to spearhead it. Just like in Lebanon, we're not going to spearhead that. In Syria, we're not going to spearhead that. And in Crimea, we're not going to spearhead that either. We didn't do a goddamn thing when Russia said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? They deployed special forces and took out their military infrastructure in a matter of a week. I want to say not a shot fired, but there were a few shots here and there, but... For the most part, not one shot really, not one war shot fired. And what did we do? Not a thing. Not a thing. And the next target, Russia, will, are we going to, it's going to be interesting, folks, to see what target, what Russia targets next and to see what our response is, because then you'll be able to tell what resources and assets that we have over there. You know? You'll be able to say, oh, well, wait a minute. There must be some reason why we're protecting this country and not that country. And that's what I believe. I believe that's the reason why we didn't do a thing when Russia, and Russia's going to keep going. He's embo we've emboldened him by the way we have conducted ourselves with the issues that were going on in the Middle East with, their revolu with all the different revolutions, and we have definitely solidified the fact that if we don't have an interest in that country, if we don't have a foothold in that country, we're not going to do a damn thing. So we're going to start to see the Cold War, a Cold War point two, I believe, develop over this. What do you think, Charles? Wow. <laughs> I think you've hit most everything that I've hit, and we've kind of bounced this back and forth a good bit. You know, ultimately... Our choices are to get involved or to not get involved. And you know we're gonna you know we're not gonna get involved. 
or we're yeah. the, let me rephrase that. You know we're not not going to get involved. You know there's no way we're going to sit back right. and just let things happen. When this is all said and done, we're going to do what we always do. We're going to get into the mix about halfway. We're going to make a big show. There's going to be a lot of big speeches delivered because there always is. And then we're going to pull out claiming that we have achieved some military objective when really all we did was to ultimately change the political climate. If we go over there and get involved, we're basically saying to Russia, we're basically saying to Crimea that, yeah, we, we, we're aware of this. And that's it. That's all it will be is that we've given them reason to do this in a way that doesn't mess up our house. Yeah. That's really what it boils down to. We, we aren't showing up there because our presence stabilizes the market directly. We're showing up there because it prevents speculators from destabilizing the market directly because they know that if it does cause us an issue, we'll solve that issue in whatever the expedient way is, and we'll come up with a good, justifiable American reason for it afterwards. And Which, in the meantime, how many of your boys and girls yep. of the military have to give up their life for this crap? Yep. Well, you know, there's a reason why we train. There's a reason why we get upset when people don't have their uniforms pressed properly. There's a reason why we say pay attention to detail. It's because some of those people, not all of them, but some of them get caught up in the problem because they're just plain dumb. And they didn't pay attention to their drill sergeants and basic training. So like, what you're saying, Alex, you're saying that people get killed because they're not paying attention to the uniforms and how smartly dressed they are? Actually, that is quite it. Because then you don't start paying attention to your headspace and timing on your 50 cal. So there's nothing you don't pay attention to little details where you see a pressure plate or something of that nature. There's this no such thing as knocked out by friendly fire, then, that our American yes, companies... actually, if you're killed by friendly fire, it's because the person who killed you is a fucking idiot. <laughs> and if you're such a fucking that. idiot, if what you, the hell are you getting involved in the first place? If you were killed by friendly fire, the person who killed you is... <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me, All right, ladies, ladies, one at a time, one at a time. <laughs> Allie, you know, Sammy, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not justifying the, you know, I'm not justifying anything. I was giving. Well, you're going a long way around to not justify it. Well, hold no, on, I'm sad. not justifying anything. I'm giving you well, what I think the bullshit, yeah. where the bullshit, some of the bullshit stems from. So it's all bullshit then, really, isn't it? It is bullshit, well, and, straight up know, bullshit, right. and, and Allie is. is right. You know, I know what it's like to wear those to wear the uniform and not. You know what I mean? Like, look, what she, I think what Allie's trying to say is, the more our country deploys soldiers to bullshit hotspots, the less, the less. Uh, how do I say this? The less. Uh, the more, the more activity we have on the war front, the more bodies we're going to need. And we're going to recruit. We're going re to keep going down the ladder from people that we normally would not recruit, people that we would not accept, people that don't, that don't make the grade, just to fill the quota. And when they get over into a combat zone for some bullshit, 
we've got people out there that are getting killed or getting other people killed because they're, they, they don't cut the mustard, so to speak. And I think maybe Allie was trying to, trying to say that. Don't get me wrong. People make mistakes. Even experienced soldiers make mistakes. But friendly fire, you get friendly fire when you get, like, a bad... Uh, when you get, like, somebody who doesn't understand their job, you get somebody who doesn't understand, you know, that, that wasn't properly trained, that does, that never really understood the position and, and, and the, you know, the, 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 the requirements to do that job, and they get deployed no matter what because we need the bodies in country, then you're seeing a lot of, it's not the sole reason, but you see these, you see the result of, of cause and effect. Because we have to go over to, say, Crimea, all right? No, not Crimea, but let's say we have to go over to, I don't know, Switzerland, okay? Because we have a lot of interest in Switzerland. We have to go over to Switzerland, and we're already engaged in this one, this battle, this fight, this war, this war. We don't have a lot of troops. So what do we do? We pull from the bottom of the barrel, and we put them in uniform, we flash train them, and we throw them into a combat area, and guess what? Not only are they getting killed because they're retards, they're getting experienced soldiers killed. And I think that's what maybe Ali was trying to say, too, is that all this stuff has a, cyclar, cyclar, a cyclar, circular or cyclical impact on soldiers. Not only are soldiers, not only is it a tragedy that soldiers are dying for bullshit, but... The, the need to put bullshit in the field to make those soldiers' deaths happen is a result of the bullshit that we get deployed for because we need extra bodies to do the mission, to get the mission done. So maybe that's what she was talking about. I'm not sure. I, that, well, I that's in. one of it. That's one of the And I'm not... Uh, but you also have people out there... Okay, yeah, it is BS the breed that we go out there, but, Sammy, you also got to understand... Some of us soldiers that go out there and do do the do the job out there, we are out there to liberate them. Fuck the economy. Right. Ali, I, I, Ali, want in. I, I mean, want you in. probably I want aren't in. aware, but yeah, I do fuck the military family, and I do understand it. I do understand where you are coming from, and I understand where your passion is. But your passion uh, uh, is not necessarily it's not my government's passion. passion. Yeah. Or military. No, I, it's not my government. I, I, I want in on this. I want in. Charles, go I want in. All right, I'm in. All right, I get where you're coming from, Sammy. And you it's want my to job. Two women, Charles? Come on. Yes, yes, I, yes, I do because I'm a brave man. <laughs> All right, I, 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 I get where you're coming from, Sammy, and you are totally morally, ethically correct, and yet you may not understand the level of hypocrisy that you've jumped into. And, you know, ever since we've lost David from these shows, we've lacked someone to call people out on this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to task. I'm going to take all of us to task. Who here is having this conversation on a device that has a microprocessor in it? And it better be everyone unless you manage. Yes, you, you better be unless you've gotten really good with the Ouija board. Well, then, then, you're, then, you're, then you're, you're excused from my rant then, Allie. And damn good job with the energy work. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> if we if we if we are here communicating on microprocessors, we are using the death of another person to communicate. Someone gave up their life at some point so that we could have this conversation. They may not have gave it up to a bullet, 
They gave it up to hunger. They gave it up to poverty. They gave it up to the machine shop or the mine that had to dig the silicon. They gave it up somewhere along the lines, or the mine that had to dig the gold for the uh, for the transistor circuit. They gave up their life somewhere at some point, so that we can have this little communication. This is this is the thing. I get where you're at, Sammy, and you're morally correct, but you also have to recognize that in our society, if we sit upon that high horse, we've got to look down and see how we got up on it. And we got up on it by killing people. Now, does that mean that what we're doing is right? No, it doesn't. But it's ingrained into our society, in our social structure as a world, that you can't just say, well, we're simply going to stop. Because once you do that, then you have a, co a complete economic collapse. And none of us are ready to deal with it. I don't know about you, but I'm not growing That's my own food. That's the point, Charles. My point was, if you're going to invade a country, then at least be bloody well honest about why you're invading yes, it. Yes, yes. And I totally agree with you on that. I totally agree with you. I would rather, honestly, I would rather President Obama get up there and abdicate his, his uh, time and let someone else run. But if he wasn't going to do that... Oh, couldn't he, though? Anyway, if he wasn't going to do that, I would rather he get up there and be like, look, we got to keep the economy stable. This war is bad for business. This war is bad for us. Yeah, there are people dying. We don't like that either. We're going to try to cut that down a little bit while we're over there. Yeah, we're going to be sacrificing some lives for that. But you know what? I hate to say it. We've, we've got to do it one way or the other. We've been doing this since the age of the Vikings. We're just, we haven't been very honest about it. And you know, I think if we all pull together and we keep our, we keep, keep our heads clear on this, that we can make this difference and maybe drive gas down 15 more cents. That's that's what it's all about. And I think we can do that, people. And I think I started imitating him pretty good towards the end there. The I would rather him do that. I, I would rather him... a billion dollars. Right, I would, I would... Well, the thing is, the war doesn't cost a billion dollars. We've already spent the billion dollars in terms of weapons, ammunition, and things yeah, exactly, we haven't gotten a return exactly, on. Exactly, yeah. We haven't gotten a return on, so we've got to go use it to get the return. Now, here's the other side of that. If we were to demilitarize to a, to a degree, not completely, we would save sufficient money that we could pull back some of this, but that means we need to pull out of the world economy. And that means we need to stop being a producer that sends out food at a profit and instead be a producer that stores food and resources for its own good. And you're not going to like this, Sammy. We buy from countries that sell cheaper than us, but we sell to countries that we have the ability to sell to at a higher rate. And this would affect everyone if we were to go that route for the U.S. I'm just talking to the U.S. I'm not going to hit every single country. But I can tell you this. The United States has the ability to produce more food with the landmass that we have, the available agricultural structure that we have, even in its decayed state from paying farmers not to farm. Well, in three years' that. time... That's why we have subsidies, yeah. exactly. Yeah. In three years' time, we could become the major food supplier. We, we, the United States, would not have to worry about the price of food, the price of gas, the price of anything if we chose to go that route. We have the most fertile land in the world. We are lucky bastards for invading it. I mean, for, for stumbling across it. But we would throw the rest, the rest of the world in chaos in using the price of bread. We would be paying 10 cents for a, a loaf of bread. You'd be paying 40 pounds. And it would happen. And the worst part is, the damning part is that we know it would happen. And we also know that it would start another war. Okay, and we'd, be, we'd be fighting England. 
we'd be fighting the UK. Why? Because you would have to fight us to get our bread. And that is I not the world. That is not the world we are looking to live in. We want to reduce death tolls as much as we can. The problem is that it, so far we can only reduce the impact. Now, as for the honesty portion, as far as we should just say what we're doing and do it, I totally agree because what we're doing is we are miseducating the masses. And then people cannot understand why we're not doing certain things. And what I mean by that is right now Africa doesn't have anything to offer us and they've got no less than six tyrants running around over there chasing themselves. And do we do we aid in that? Do we help in in solving that? A little. A little. We'll send a few teams over here and there. We'll do a few little operations. We'll make a little difference over there. Because for everything else, we're not totally heartless as a government, as, a, as an administration. It is not so heartless that we do not take an interest just out of uh, sheer kindness and goodwill. But where... We will send, you know, maybe two teams of special forces over a six-month period to deal with a, with a minor tyrant in Africa. We will land troops to deal with anything that's going to impact our wallets. We will, we will send planes. We will send battleships. Well, not battleships. We don't have them anymore. We'll send aircraft carriers. We will, we will send a billion dollars of resources, which we've already paid for, to solve that problem that's sending us in the wallet. And we'll send, you know maybe a million dollars worth of resources to deal with something else. And that's a huge financial difference. The problem that we're running into is by preaching to our society, well, we're doing this for the right reasons, is that then our people can't really understand why it is we're not doing everything else. They can't understand why when we find a drug lord, you know, who's, you know, prostituting women and dealing with child, uh, you know, dealing with uh, uh, child distri uh, distribution and all of those things, uh, child slave labor and distribution, our people as a country and as a world, we cannot understand why we haven't intervened. And it's because we weren't truthful. We, we're, we, we did not tell the people, hey, we're intervening because this is affecting us. We told them we're intervening because it's the right thing to do. Well, no. If we were intervening because it's the right thing to do, well, if we were really going to do that, our military forces would be spread thin. Very thin. Watch we do it. some of it. Hey, Charles! I got somebody the voice of reason! My God, thank God you're here. I had two cats screaming earlier. Who, who is this? The voice of reason, Nathan. Oh, hey. How you doing, man? How's it going? I think you're missing quite a few major points here, Charles. And I couldn't help but overhear the conversation earlier, but I have to point out that a lot of the countries that we're, that everybody's going to mad about us so-called interfering with are people that no one else is going to help anyway. So it's not always for money. A lot of it's for image, too, to be quite honest. But, uh, you know, we did sit back and, and hold on and try to ask other people to step in. And sometimes, like, for instance, I'll give a private example. There's the whole Kosovo issue back in the early 2000s when we had the whole Kosovo issue going down. And we, and we sat back and said, hey, listen, it's not our issue. It's right right there smack in the middle of the European Union. You guys can handle it. And they said, okay, hey, we'll handle it. And then they sent, like, two, they sent one platoon of people over there, which accomplished exactly zero. They didn't do shit the whole time they were there. And we waited for a year before we stepped in 
to give anybody, anybody else in the world a chance to step up, and nobody did. It just everybody else was just content to sit on their hands and watch this freaking genocide happen. And and it's it's it's, it's, it's you can't let that one go because it's such a huge deal. And the thing is that no one else had a standing military that was big to spare the troops to go over there because we had been doing it for so long that no one else is bothered to actually set up any kind of force that can do it. So when we don't do it, no one else will because they can't. And they can't because they've never had to. So the thing is that we've saved everybody else a lot of fucking money over the course of time frame from them not having to step in. Dave, David, let me... let me. And, and, no, and no, Nathan me, is his name. Nathan is his name. Jason, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Nathan! Uh, Nathan! What, what, Nathan, you. I got a bad connection. I got a bad connection. I'm sorry. Nathan, so let me, let me, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, if I remember correctly, it was the British that pushed for action over there. It wasn't oh, really yeah. the U.S. It was Tony Blair oh, yeah. that was trying to get Clinton to get over there and do it. And Clinton wanted to, but he couldn't get it past Congress. He couldn't get it, he couldn't get Congress to digest it because there was no, there was no gain. It was, that, that that was their thing. They, they didn't want to get. We didn't want to get entrenched in an in internal conflict, which was basically going to turn into a civil war, which was their fear. But there was no gain, and it was Prime Minister Blair that kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and ultimately he got Clinton to commit troops and to you know liberate. Do you do you, do you recall that or or no? I recall that we didn't initially have clearance through cars to go through, but I don't believe it was because of lack of gain. Contrary to popular belief, the government's main concern is not money. If it was, we wouldn't have the fucked up economy that we do. A lot of it is image, and in this particular image, in this particular instance, we thought we thought that the the detriment to our reputation as being meddlers would be more of a detriment to us than anything else. So we wanted to step back and let someone else deal with their own internal problems, or at least let the neighbors who actually had a stake in the claim to stand to step up. Whereas if we stuck our noses in something we weren't concerned with that had, that, like you said, we had no game and no hand in, then we have to justify why, because we're now infringing upon the sovereignty of another of another nation, and that's a big deal. And when we realized nothing else was happening, we we had we had to step in. But the problem was the motivation wasn't the lack of game. It was the lack of anybody else doing anything. All right. The way I let me let me let me throw this out there. The way I've seen this, you know, since Vietnam, I don't want to use any recent conflicts. I don't want to be dis- disrespectful to anybody that's just in the uniform that served. Okay, but I'll reference Vietnam. Okay, in Vietnam, Vietnam was never supposed to happen. We all know Kennedy was never going to commit troops. When Kennedy got assassinated, LBJ committed committed us 150% to that war. Not only did he commit us to that war, he made promises. He made promises to the military contractors that he wasn't going to get out of that war until, quote-unquote, the mission had been accomplished. As you guys know your history, all right, the first boots on the ground were advisors. Those were special forces, Green Berets. That was 55-56, I believe. Correct. Then the last the last mil- official military boots that left the ground was, I think, in 71, 72, when the quote-unquote mission had been achieved. The mission was never achieved. The United States profited off of 20 years, 20-plus 20 years of combat service 
in Vietnam. Now, listen to me, folks. I am not ranting. I am not minimizing military losses. In fact, I'm disgusted by it. I'm disgusted by it. Okay? We all know our history now. We all know Vietnam was a moneymaker. Okay? It was a money. We should have left it to the French to figure that whole thing out. It was their fuck-up that started that whole thing. We should have left it to them. Vietnam was a moneymaker, and we, we learned a lesson. I think the military complex learned a, the industrial war complex, if you will. I use that term loosely, okay? A lot of loose terms today, all right? Learned something invaluable at that time. They said, you know what? Not only can we make money, but it's good for the economy. We've always known this. World War II was awesome. And then after World War II, it wasn't so awesome. All right? But we've learned something from that. We've learned that we can go into troubled spots that have resources and assets that we are buying, we are buying or funneling to us and sort of have a controlled interest, a physically controlled interest in these if we find a reason to get over there, if we have cause, if we have just cause to go over there. Now, Nathan, you're absolutely right, okay? As a soldier, your mission is not to go over there for money. You're not doing your job because you're going to make money off of it. No soldier. Soldiers aren't paid what they should be paid. They're not compensated enough, all right? Now, on, on, on the soldier level, it's about, there's a whole host of things that I won't even get into that, that is the reason why a soldier wears the uniform, and that is, that is why I get upset, because I think that the, the, the country, much of the, much of the, 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 the executive branch, they're pissing on that. They're pissing on why we do what we do. You're sending me over to a country to stabilize your fucking gas? Okay, fine, I understand that. You need to make sure that we can pay 2 to $3 a gallon for gas. Well, tell me that shit. Don't, don't send me over there to say we're liberating Kuwaitis because, uh, you know, they're, they're under attack by Saddam Hussein. Kuwait is a rich country. All right? Okay. Go, ahead. Go ahead, Nathan. Let me see. When you started going off on Vietnam, I have to point out that you have me at a disadvantage I'm not particularly well-versed in the political season of Vietnam as it's before my time. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's probably before the time of most of your listeners. But you've got to also keep in mind that policies and things that happen now are not necessarily the same. But, still, but these policies are staples. The, 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 the days of soldiers blindly following orders also ended when Vietnam ended. So that's not really a viable argument for today's environment. You, you, you believe that? You believe you believe most soldiers are autonomous now? They're, they're, that, that, you know, in today's day, soldiers can make... I seriously think that it's way more complicated than you're trying to simplify. But it's not all based on money. If it was based on money, we wouldn't, wouldn't all be broke, would we? But right, and I wanted to weigh in here. I wasn't saying that it's all based on money. I was providing a counterpoint to the basic hypocrisy that we can't do this and have money as a part of it. And sadly, you're going to have financial reasons for different wars and different actions. You're going to have financial reasons where you have positives and negatives. You're going to have times where you decide to take a loss because it's the right thing to do. But well, there is a point. major... Yeah, but there is a major factor that there are a lot of times... Oh, no, I won't say a lot of times. I'll say there are times. And they get a lot of attention paid to them where actions are taken solely for the benefit financially. That said, 
uh, as I said when I was calling out the hypocrisy, if we're talking over a telecommunications device with a microprocessor, our hands are no more clean for that than they are for sending soldiers into a war zone to achieve a financial end. We can't sit back and say that if we stop doing this, our hands are clean because there's too much going on in the world to have clean hands. Hey, that I was what I was what I was trying to hit at. You would be right. The thing is, what I'm saying is, Afghanistan has no real fucking natural resources. Their major, their biggest export is dug up landmines that the Russians left. So I mean, there's no real financial motivation to go in there. And as for Iraq, only 10 percent of our oil comes from the Middle East. It, the war in Iraq benefits the European Union and Russia more than it benefits anybody else. I've always believed that the Iraqi, the, the Afghanistan, our war in Afghanistan was, was the true war. I've always believed that. I, I, I always believe that our, we should have focused there, we should have started there, we should... This, this, this Iraq thing... America's not worried about money, we're worried about our image. Uh, uh, I don't know, Nathan. I, I disagree. I think I take that back. I agree with you as far as you're right. We do have to worry about our image. We've always, but I, I, I disagree. I, you know, I've spent my life and money, and and I'm telling you, you know, the shit that I see, the the way I, the way, the way I look at it on my, I used to look at it on my spreads. I'm telling you, it, this interconnectedness with war and money, it's it's a sickness. When I'm sitting, Nathan, when I'm sitting in front of my computer, and I, I'm not going to go through this example again, but when, you know, you're, in, you're on the other side of my desk, and you're trying to get that low interest rate, I'm, I remember days, Nathan, I was waiting, I was waiting for a bomb to drop over an Afghan, like, I, when, when, when bases and soldiers got attacked, when IEDs would go off, and it was in secession for a week, the market drop in interest rates were awesome. You cannot, you can't, I, I was doing more business when, when, when soldiers were getting blown up. I, I'm sorry, that is the truth, that yeah. is the truth. Yeah, but you're also missing that this also just happened to be going through the giant housing bubble. Correlation is not causation. True, true, true. Yeah, which is something I had to tell a doctor at one point in time. Mumps, that's all I gotta say. Mumps. I just. I just, you know, you know, soldiers are always going to be, there's always going to be men and women that are going to be, I, I, and, and I've said this, I've said this on my forum, Ali, you know me, you've known me for a long time, I all, I think soldiers are superheroes. I think anybody that wears a uniform that goes to another country and makes sure that I can have the freedom to, to say the shit that I'm saying right now on this, on this medium, to make sure that I have that freedom and that ability to do that, thank you. I've always said that. I have a problem. I'm, a, you know, I'm a big student of history. I, you know, I've been in money a long time, and when I see the inequity, I, maybe my vision is is skewed. I admit that. Maybe I see things a little bit more glib than than the average person, more so than the average person. But when I see superheroes going over to fucking foreign lands, being abused and used, if not by our own our own military, our own government, being used as cannon fodder. For some fucking corporation, some some you know power-based interests, so they can save money on gas or bread or milk. Well, welcome to the human condition, man. That's been the case since the Middle Ages. Every I know, time. I know. But, I not, know. <laughs> but America only gets involved when someone slaps their pride. If someone blows up a building, we get involved. When no one else steps up, and everybody's looking at us, we can't just sit on our hands and be like, "Oh, well, we don't feel like it today." Lose space. 
because America is a lot more fragile than everybody thinks it is. It's not. You know, that's that we let that slip. We're going to hurt it. You know, that's a good point. <laughs> so what do you hit on? What's that, Charles? Well, I said that's a really good. You started point. saying something about falling back troops, Derek. I wanted to hear what you had to say on. I can't. I can barely hear you, Allie. What? Stop that with it. Okay. <laughs> I. You started to talk about the drawing down of troops. I didn't get to hear what you said on. Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, let me let me um, let me give you guys an example, okay? Um, and Charles, I know we gotta we gotta wrap this up, so we're not gonna get to our transcendence topic. We'll save that for next week. But I'm gonna I'm gonna end the show with this with this this, this last exchange, okay? So I'll, I'll, I'll be very quick, Charles. Uh, here's an example. Two weeks ago, I had a Marine Corps a retired Marine Corps sergeant. He's probably in his mid to late twenties. Uh, his girlfriend is. Uh, Sergeant, United States Army, active duty, okay? She was a former Marine. She had, she had left because she needed to go to a branch that wasn't going to kick her out for, you know, not advancing as rapidly as the Marines make in the Marine. I don't know if you guys know this, but I know you and Al, Nathan and Al, you guys know this, but in the Marine Corps, you have to advance. And you have to advance rapidly. If you don't, you're, you're out. Army, you do too, but it's not as, uh, you know, if I, if, and you guys correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, I don't think they put too much onus on it right away. I, I think, I think you got some time, but the Marine Corps, they don't fuck around. You have to advance or you're gone. So she wasn't advancing as quickly as she could. So she left, she transferred from the Marine Corps to the United States Army. They came into my work, okay, and they were talking to my manager for a bit. My manager brought me over and he said, why don't you talk to her? She's thinking about working here as, as a dancer. So, I said, I started talking to him and they told me they were, you know, she was active duty and he was, he was retired. And I said, well, what are you guys doing? What, you don't have to do this. Not that being a dancer is bad, but, you know, they were, they were asked out. They were dire straits. I said, what, what's going on? He can't find work. Nobody will hire him. He got blown up and shot up in, in Afghanistan, all right? And he's a retired Marine Corps veteran, disabled, all right? And nobody wants to touch him. Now, when I say disabled, um, he is, he is, uh, administrative disabled okay he can still carry he can still perform but administratively the powers that be said you know what your hitch is done now that doesn't mean he can't work he's fully functional he can he can lift he can bend he can run he can jump he can he can do everything but when you're admit when you're disabled a lot of companies and they're not supposed to do this but there's a lot of discrimination first of all i guess a lot of companies don't want to hire retired vets because I guess that's a pay increase that they have to commit to. I don't know if anybody has any insight on that, but this is what he was telling me. He was telling me that everywhere he goes, he's getting shot down, he's getting turned away, and he believed it was because they have to pay him more because he's a retired, he, he's, a, he's a former Marine. Are you serious? Yeah, I did not know that. I did not know that companies had to pay you a little bit more based on that. Plus, nobody wanted to take, nobody wanted to take the responsibility for his injuries, assuming that it isn't, nobody took the time to ask him, and I think it's against the law for them to even ask or probe, like what, you know, the disabled, what, what's the nature of the disability, this, that, and the other thing. So you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. You don't want to volunteer the information, and I believe companies can't ask you about the information. So companies, so people are just turning this guy away left and right. Nobody's giving him a chance. Now, I said to his, his, his wife, I said, what about you? 
I said, you know, why don't you go, because she's national, she's, she's reservist now, and I said, why don't you go full active duty? She can't. I guess Obama, something that Obama did a couple of years ago is making it difficult for experienced soldiers to get back in full time. I don't know. you guys hear anything about that? Do you guys know anything about that? That's why I'm going post guard because I'm a woman and they wanted more women. And that is okay. the only reason that they actually talked with me so that I would go back in, despite the fact that my RE code, reentry code, is uh, is kind of low on the totem pole. But that is the only reason I managed to get back into the uh, you know active duty. Wow. Was because okay. they were willing to work with me because I'm a woman. Yeah, they won't. They won't take her. They won't. Oh, they won't take her. She's not combat ready. That's what it is. Because she was, she got shot up in Afghanistan. They're not going to take her. She's not. She's no. Not I knew a yeah, guy. Nathan and I knew a guy who got sit, shot. How many times did Bieber get shot? Six times. Yeah. Six times in the same in the same shooting, and he went back a week later. Fuck that. They took him, huh? Well, they won't. They won't. They won't take her. And she's thinking about joining the Coast Guard just so she can get active duty, so she can be on active duty to get the benefits and get the pay to support hey, that. Tell her to look me up if she does. <laughs> What's that? I said, tell her to look me up if she does. Okay, I'll let you know how that works out. By the way, so the bottom line is this: they're telling me now. I'm summarizing about an hour's worth of pain and suffering. They're telling me that they've gone through. Now they can't. Obviously, they can't. They can't generate funds to pay their bills. So they're nope. they listen. They came to this. They came to my work. Right. They're talking about. I heard them talking, and I said, "Wait, what are you saying?" They're planning on. They had to ditch a cab close to where they lived just to avoid having to pay the cap. That's how bad this is. And I'm sitting, I'm like, there's nothing that can be done. Nobody's hiring. Everywhere they can. And my, here's the thing, they're a black couple. They're former, they're, one's a former Marine, one's, an, one's, a, one's a reservist um, slash going to be trying to be active duty Army. She's a woman. They're both black. I mean, this is, I hate to say it, but this is a, a quota-rich couple you know what i mean like i you know the country's going through the country as opposed to vietnam era okay where soldiers got spat on for coming back from war today everybody wants to know a vet everybody wants to hug a vet so nobody corporations and companies they're falling they're falling over this themselves trying to get people just because like you said nathan that image they want if they want to be seen as the company that that's got vets hot that, you know, I've got a lot of veterans working for me, and you know, I support my I support my soldiers and all this stuff. How these folks aren't finding work is beyond me. And I, I thought maybe they weren't be, they were kind of being disingenuous about the whole thing. Then they were showing me some stuff like some 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 paperwork, some letters, and hey, hey, and, real quick, can Nathan get in because he's about to leave? Well, one of the major reasons is that we're having such a huge military cut down. So all of a sudden, there's a lot, lot, lot more vets than there was previously looking for a job. Right, and right. Two is, and two is, you hire a couple so people can see that you're hiring vets, but no one hires anymore because we're almost like ex-cons. And the thing is, soldiers don't finally follow orders anymore. We ask very uncomfortable questions if we don't agree with what you're doing. And bosses don't want people to ask questions. Gotcha. Nathan, I know you got to get going. Thank you so much for joining in. It's a treat. I know you listen. I know this is probably one of the first times you've ever jumped in on my show, so I thank you for doing that. It was a lot of fun. Um, okay, I got two... Better. Go ahead. I...
Yeah, I got two cents I want to get in on this. Nathan raised the point that I think we've got to consider as it concerns reputation for the United States. And this falls under the oldest saying I know, we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. Everyone looks at us whenever a problem starts. The entire world looks at us and says, what's the United States going to do about that? And we kind of look over and go, well, we were thinking, whatever you're thinking you're going to do, you better not do it. So we will get, as a country, bitched out for not doing it. You know, well, you didn't go over there and, you know, liberate that country. You didn't go over there and help those people. Okay, well, should we have? Yes, you should have. Okay, well, we'll go over and do that. What are you doing going over there and interfering with another country when your country already has an economic crisis going on? Well, I, I thought the world said we should go do this. Well, it doesn't matter what the world says. You should take care of your own first. I will right, well, pull the troops back. Pull them back. Get them back. Get them back on board. Bring them back while we still can. What are you doing pulling troops out of there? I thought you said you were going to do something. Well, we did. But we did, and everyone, everyone threw a bitch fit that we sent troops over. Well, get your troops back over there. I thought you were going to help out. Okay, everybody, back off the boat. Back off the boat. You know, what amazes me is that we managed to settle on any course of action, whether to intervene or not intervene, and, and not waffle on it. You know, generally, once we set to it, we set to it for a period of time, and we managed to maintain that, because no matter what it is we do, someone's going to bitch. And not just someone's going to bitch. Everyone is going to bitch. That's just, you know, like I said, when Sammy was on and we were discussing, I said, there are times and, you know, we may not hear about them as much, but we do send troops over to deal with various situations that just don't make the headlines. And we get tore apart for it. You know, if we send a military force to Africa to deal with a drug lord, we get tore apart for it when it comes out in the news. What are we doing interfering in Africa? And if we don't send one, then what do we hear about in the news? U.S. turns a blind eye to Africa. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know what? We're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. We can't do it for the right reasons. We can't do it for the wrong reasons. And we can't not do it because that's not a good enough reason. You know, if we, if we pull back our entire military force, if we took the military and industrialized it, we're going to take all of our military forces and turn them into factories. And we will employ our soldiers as factory labor. If we did that tomorrow, the outrage, well, who's going to watch us? Who's going who's gonna to change our diapers, is what the rest of the world would say. Private and, corporation. Yep. Private armies. Hire them. No, I don't want that either. No, no, you're, no, no, you're right. That's what they, that, would be, that would be the only option the rest of the world would have. And they'd use it. And then we'd get to see how that works, okay? We'd get to see how people who really are being paid to kill. Not people who are being paid to serve, not people who are being paid to go out and do this thing that they feel is worthy and honorable, but we would find out what it's like when you hire someone who is paid to kill to fight your war for you. And I trust me on this, it's, Nathan said it's been going on since the medieval ages, and he's right. And it, we'd get to see what it was like back then, but we'd get to see it now with bombs and guns and planes. We'd get to see what it's like now when we've got the technology to wipe out a village in 10 seconds instead of 10 hours. We'd get to see what it's like when we let sociopaths loose on these armaments. And we'd regret it. We'd regret it. We'd regret it on a personal level. We'd regret it on a social level. We'd regret it on a moral level as a country. And our country gets a bad rap for its morality, but we've never had to see that kind of impact in the world. 
That being said, I'm not going to say we don't fight for bread too. I'm going to say that we do what we uh, that we have the world's largest military, the world's largest standing military, and we do an awful lot of fighting with it for an awful lot of reasons. All right. That said, we're going to end the show, but I'm also going to say I, I had oh, hold on. I had asked a couple that I'm talking about that I was talking about earlier. Why don't you look at private contracting? The both of them. I can't even duplicate how fast and how vehemently they said absolutely not, just for the reasons that Charles laid out. You know, not everybody that's a private contractor is a piece of shit. Not everybody. Some of these guys are ex-military that can't find work, and they have no choice, and they join these firms, and, and, and they try to bring a little bit of honor, what honor they can, into their professionalism. But yeah, a lot of these, a lot of these companies are like the French Foreign Legion, and nothing against the French Foreign Legion, but the French Foreign Legion has a history of just fucking hiring anybody and sending over to anywhere to do anything. And um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Private contractors, uh, that's where we're probably going to wind up going if we can't, if we can't take care of our soldiers. Uh, somebody wanted to jump in before we closed out. Who was yeah, that? Allie, was that you? Yeah, it's me. There is something out there that they are working very hard to help our vets get jobs. And uh, if anybody listens to any iHeartRadio sponsors, and they've probably heard it, but in the event that you haven't, www.showyourstripes.org. They're all about trying to hire get vets hired by different companies, and they've got companies that have committed to certain numbers that they want to hire over, over a certain period of time. But you go to showyourstripes.org. It's powered by military.com and monster.com. Uh, sponsored by iHeartRadio. And hey, hire smart, hire vets. That's the whole thing that they've got there. If Thanks. it helps, it helps. Thank you for that, Allie. Thank you. And Allie, thank you so much for uh, perking up and, and, and tuning in. I really appreciate it. Um, Sammy J, thank you so much. Uh, Allie, thank you. Charles, always a pleasure. We're going to let everybody go. Uh, next week, we're going to try to tie in our first uh, topic, which was transcendence, uh, not transcendence, uh, the, uh, the singularity. But, uh, new topics will be posted soon, and thank you so much. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.